Today we're doing Mortal Kombat, which, let me uh, preface, I would say Nick is a way bigger gamer than I am, so I will defer to him on all things video games. As a video game expertise, would you consider a top five video game? I would consider it a top five video game just because of how many people love it. I enjoyed it when I was younger, but the problem is I'm not a great fighting game expert, so I don't play it. What do you remember about when you first played Mortal Kombat? Oh my gosh, it was so amazing! All was the, it like, uh, was it Super Nintendo, PlayStation? What it was super. It was Super Nintendo. It was the very first Mortal Kombat, and it was completely fun because it was completely new. Mo- there was no real fighting games at that time until this, especially not extremely bloody ones. Yeah, I struggled with trying to figure out how to play the game. So my strategy with fighting games is to press random buttons until something happens. See, yeah, you can't do that with Mortal Kombat because each button controls a different body part. It works well in Tekken. I've, well, won, te- I've won many Tekken fights with the, the pressing of the random buttons. Well, yeah, that's because Tekken is does just not com- have that same mechanic. It just does combinations, exactly. basically. With Mortal Kombat, yeah, if you, you have to get very lucky to hit random buttons to actually have a maneuver happen. So... <laughs> A lot of punching and kicking on my part, and then getting destroyed by my. I opponent, think, so. and then part two, they added the uh, random ass ha 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 thing. I have no idea chop up. Neither do my, I. But the extent was... of my knowledge spreads only to part one, <laughs> because I'm not a gamer. But I know that back when it came out, it was like a cultural sensation. The blood and gore in the video games was amazing and really stands out. And so when I first saw the movie trailer, I was a little kid, but yeah, everybody was hyped up when the movie trailer first came out. I saw it in theaters. (laughs) So I would have loved to. I waited for video, basically. But what I would say is that the one thing going against this was that video game movies did not have a good reputation before this came out. There was no video game movies before this came out, was there? Well, no, there's three. Oh, no, the Mario one doesn't count because it's a piece of shit. So the ones that came out before this, there was, as you alluded to, Super Mario Brothers. With the right mindset, you can be entertained. So maybe we'll have to visit Super Mario Brothers someday. No! (laughs) It's on the list. No! So you had that, and then you had Double Dragon, which had Robert Patrick as the bad guy, as the villain. And that bewildered look on your face... Never heard of it. Okay, well, Double Dragon was also, quite frankly, a piece of shit. (laughs) And and then we had uh you'll know this one Street Fighter. Did that one come out after uh, before it? It was before. It was the year before Mortal Kombat with Street but Fighter. But Street Fighter was actually so bad it was good at least. Yes, I it mean, had Jean Claude Van Damme in it. At the time, it was just horrible. But now, when you watch it and you got Raw Julia giving epic speeches. Street Fighter at the time bombed horribly with everybody. Oh, yeah. But still, it, now it's classified as so bad as good. There's act- oh, I yeah. think there's a small cult following for it now. Yeah, what I'm saying is these movies set the table for low expectations for Mortal Kombat because they just hadn't gotten it right as far as taking a video game and making a good movie out of it. It wasn't a thing. Most video game adaptations have been shit. Have, are not good. Usually they don't get it right. Since we like to talk about our first viewings of it, of course, when this movie came out, my dad's like, you know what, we're all going to go see that since we all enjoy the game. Sure enough, we go there. Now, my dad's expecting, you know, them to have to tell them that's a rated R movie and the and a five-year-old can't go see it. Sure enough, we go in and they're like, yeah, here you go. He goes, what's the rating in this movie? PG-13? He's like, oh gosh. Well, yeah, I think probably if you're a fan of the game, when you saw that rating, you're probably thinking, oh, they messed up another one. Right. PG-13 for Mortal Kombat, this bloody-ass game. But nowadays, when you realize what the budget was, you'd find out that that's really all they could afford. <laughs> the thing is, like, from a marketing standpoint... It was the right move to make a PG-13 because you had a lot of kids playing the game. Oh, yeah. Why make it so that they have to have their parents accompany them? PG-13, they'll let anybody into that. So Mm -hmm. 
would this movie be a little bit more fun if it was rated R? Yes. Bloody, gory, true fatalities. Would have been amazing. But this is what we got, so we got to deal with it. And we got probably the best time Kari Hiroyuki actually acted. In my opinion, this is probably the best movie he's been in. And that's saying something, seeing as how he's been in a lot of movies. For those that don't know, that's our actor who plays Shang Tsung in the movie. The Sorcerer, Shang Tsung. He's in um, Showdown in Little Tokyo with yep. Brandon Lee. He's randomly in Kickboxer 2. Yep. Ah, there's one more that I'm missing. This dude pops up in a lot of early he, 90s. He was actually also in like two movies with Wesley Snipes, Art of War and Murder at 16. No, 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 no. The, the one with Sean Connery. Rising, Sean Connery, yeah. Rising Sun. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty prominent like in the early 90s in sort of martial arts movies. Right. And which is funny because you don't, to be honest with you, you don't see him in a lot of martial art movies, even though he actually does know martial arts it's just i guess he chooses he prefer to be in dramas it shows an actual acting talent instead of just kicking somebody yeah like i i can understand it because yes he could do martial arts but clearly he has some range also as an actor mm. although he does typically end up being like the the slimy villain type basically but for most people let's be honest he is shang Tsung. oh yeah he, what, he even what he'll go down the, as being known as is he is shang Tsung. well because they start after that movie uh they started using him as the main voice actor for shang Tsung and all the mortal kombat movies so a couple things i read that the movie influenced future games like for example kano um in the movie has like the australian accent right that wasn't the games but then the future games he was now just like with an Australian well, accent. To also, to be fair, they didn't really talk in the original games. Was there even a story in the, the original Mortal Kombat? The original Mortal Kombat? No. Part two? No. They didn't start adding a story until part three. What we're going to get with this movie essentially is Enter the Dragon, which not a bad movie to rip off. Well, no. But the movie had to basically plug in some holes story-wise because I guess, as you're saying, the video game didn't lay out some kind of perfect script for the movie just to pick up and... No, the, obviously... This is my first time watching a Paul W.S. Anderson movie when it came to Mortal Kombat back in, what, 1998 when this movie came out? 95. 95, okay. So, did it come out in 95? Because I remember seeing it in theaters, but that would make me three years old. <laughs> Are you sure 95? Yeah. Maybe, could it be? You know it came out in 98. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It definitely was not Annihilation. I remember specifically what it was. It was the original. If we look up Annihilation, it came out in 98. I'm pretty sure that's what you saw no. in theaters. Because I remember <laughs> me, my dad, and all my brothers came out of that movie theater enjoying the hell out of that okay. movie. Okay, you have apparently the best memory of any three-year-old in the history of three-year-olds. Apparently. All right, so... Okay. But so, so Nick's over here telling lies, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's over here like, yeah, when the video came, came out and all this... You were like one years old when the video game came out. Well, yeah, I was one years old when the game came out. Doesn't mean I didn't play it. Yeah. Anyway, but... You played it like five years after it came but out. But still, so. Paul W.S. Anderson, <laughs> watch this movie. Enjoy the hell out of it. Watch, I honestly do enjoy the first two Resident Evils. Third one I'm okay with. But then four, five, and six, he does so many damn jump cuts that you don't know what the hell is going on. You just convinced me to never start watching the Resident Evil movies because I've not seen any of them. And every time I ask someone about them, they steer me Away. to run in the other direction. So, <laughs> The Mortal Kombat theme is the best theme in the in every universe of movies. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I will say Probably this. not the best. but It's, it's not still, the best score ever for it's movies. It's still amazing. But it gets you hyped up. At least that very first theme that they don't use for the rest of the movie. No idea why. 
but it sets the tone for the movie. You get hyped up. If I was, you know, three years old in the movie theater, I would have been like, just like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. I can't wait to end this. I can get out and, and celebrate. So, Actually, it would have been around when I was three or four because I burnt my arm when I was four and I literally watched that movie afterwards. I remember because my mom told me. Hey, so listen, I, I'm not here to deny your childhood, right? You saw Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation and you enjoyed it. You had a great time, and that's all that matters, right? Who, who am I to rob you, rob you of your childhood, It was right? either three or four. This is the best theme music ever for this kind of movie. Even watching it home on video, I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. But I don't understand the beginning. So answer this for me. Because this plays as a dream sequence slash what actually happened slash Shang Tsung is actually talking to Liu Kang from the dream. And his brother is actually saying, So Now, uh, this is probably one of the more confusing opening scenes I've ever seen. I had to rewind it to figure out because, as everything I just said, there's a lot going on here in this opening scene. So, with this, actually, I feel like it actually still happened in the past, but Shang Tsung uses powers to make some kind of image to then project it into Liu Kang's head for a future dream because... And when Liu Kang wakes up, he looks at a postcard next to him that literally says his brother is dead. So his brother's already dead. There's no way he could get from China all the way to <laughs> Los Angeles. But so you feel like basically it was a just it was a dream sequence, but that Shang Tsung had used his sorcery to manipulate the dream. That or, uh, do you think that that scene actually happened though? Like they played out with his brother actually being like, no. To be honest, that's, probably. that would seem weird that his brother would be like in a fight for his life and in an abandoned place and still be like, no. Well, probably not. Like I said, that with this, it's more or less the uh, fact that the character is dreaming it and it's pretty much haunting him. The, this dream is haunting him. It is causing uh, turmoil in his life. That had to be very confusing for the audience. Just watching that and being like, wait a minute, it's a dream, but the characters in the dream are talking to him. Shang Tsung is looking at him saying... Have you never had dreams talk to you? No, not like that. (laughs) Not that specifically. Not a sorcerer being like, you're next. No, my... Your brother's soul is mine. I'll I'll leave my dreams for when we do Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's just get to new. Yeah, I don't want to hear what's in your your twisted subconscious. Right. Anyway. So, that's all to establish that Liu Kang is our chosen one, basically. But now we get to Sonya Blade. Sonya Blade. Who could have been... Cameron Diaz. Could have. But go fuck yourself. That's why. No, she broke her wrist while training for the movie. Damn it, and Cameron. Being... But this is also the scene where we find out Shang Tsung's putting pieces together so that way he's pretty much rigging the tournament so he wins. Yeah, and one of the pieces is the gullible and unlikable Kano. Quite the history with Sonya Blade. He killed her partner in cold blood. Well, Kano's a bad guy. Of course he did. Shang Tsung is using him to get her onto the boat. Exactly, because he knows she will eventually, she may be able to beat Kano, but she's probably going to lose it in all of her other fights, which she only gets one. I don't think tournaments work that way, people. Yeah, we're going to get into this, uh, (laughs) what the hell is this tournament thing in a minute, but we're establishing basically our main characters here. We cut to now a favorite character. Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage. He's an actor. I don't Which know. Which means his martial arts is fake, people, okay? Do you think that this was like making fun of Steven Seagal or something like that? Because Steven Seagal had a thing basically where he was. Chuck doing, Norris. I think it was more Seagal, though. I don't know. Both. I feel like this is kind of a rib, kind of a, a parody of, of Steven Seagal. Or just making note of that. 
But well, but Johnny Cage in the video game was a Hollywood. Yeah, actor. he was still a, well. Again, in a video game, he really wasn't given any kind of backstory. None of the characters were because it was just here. Here's like seven fighters you can choose from. Fight. And so Johnny Cage, of course, he gets his reason to go to the tournament. Basically, his everyone thinks he's a fake. And so he wants to prove himself. His former sensei slash Shang Tsung masquerading as his sensei. Yeah, that, by the way, that when he transforms back into Shang Tsung, that was pretty good effects for that. It was pretty fluid. Oh, yeah. He's literally just like, there's a tournament. Be on this boat tomorrow night. In Hong Kong, by the way. And Johnny Cage's like, okay. I'm like, uh, what? He has to go to Hong Kong to be on this boat. Well, not like that, but he's in the middle of filming a movie. <laughs> he came to a movie set. Are you talking about the movie just well, wrapped they, that night? It, probably. That was probably the last hour, oh. last scene. Now we get to one of the cool parts. Raiden. The introduction of Raiden. And also, now we're establishing that Liu Kang is the chosen one because Liu Kang comes to find out what happened to his brother. And he's told that, hey, he died. Well, actually, here's what I find interesting. It's, we get a little bit insight onto Liu Kang's backstory. He left his brother and went to America. He now, left the whole temple and went to America. And you know why, right? Because he thought everything was bullshit. No, no, you know why he went to America. Now, I'm freestyling here a little bit, but just bear with me for a second. He went to America to be an actor, and he starred in the movie Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. And that, my friends, is canon. Now, let's get back to Raiden now. Raiden, what the fuck? <laughs> listen, hey, that's what happened. I, I didn't, I don't, was the actor really in that movie? You don't remember Beverly Hills Ninja? No, yeah. it's been so long. Okay, I need to watch it. It's on Netflix now. Yeah, not even the actor, though. It was Liu Kang. So anyways, um, <laughs> that's the canon. That's in my head. So we get Raiden, who is the god of thunder and lightning, although Liu Kang is a non-believer, and so this is all bullshit. But he tries Raiden, and Raiden kicks his ass. Well, yeah, but the, the funny thing I have is, you know, even Liu Kang has issues believing this is Raiden at first because... You know, he's so obviously race kind of plays a part in this is they're sitting there praying to these guys. And all of a sudden a white man shows up, an old white man, an old white man. And he's and Luke Cage is like this, this beggar. I swear, if they weren't trying to offend people, they probably would have said he's not even fucking Chinese. Well, he's not supposed to be any race. He's, he's the guy of Thunder Lightning. just happens you have to have an actor playing him. So it just happened to be uh, Christopher Lambert, who's from Highlander. <laughs> which, there by can the way, be only one. Which, by the way, he still does an amazing job as Raiden. Oh, yeah. Well, I think um, he interjects a lot of comedy in this movie. A lot of much-needed comedy. Uh, just the way he delivers his lines. It's always kind of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Liu Kang gets his ass kicked by Raiden. And I, and I pose the question to you. Is Raiden our strongest character? Raiden's, well, Raiden's a god. So would, so nobody would beat him in a fight, basically. Well, no, I get the feeling Luke Kang probably would because. What? How would Luke Kang beat Raiden in a fight? Easy. Raiden loses to his brother in annihilation. Luke Kang beats Raiden's brother in annihilation. There you go. You Luke know, Kang's automatically stronger. I, I hate that kind of logic. I really do. Right? That's no way to actually when you make sense. When you it. lose to one fighter and that same fighter loses to the next guy, then that means that next guy is obviously a better fighter than you. I don't care. If the guy is Bruce Lee reincarnated, you shouldn't be able to beat a god in a fight. You're a mere mortal. How do you beat a god? The guy controls thunder and lightning. Well, hopefully... Strike, he does, him, strike him down with lightning. Well, hopefully he doesn't do that. That's against the rules in a fair-to-fair, hand-to-hand combat. Well, we're going to talk about the rules that Raiden breaks throughout this whole damn movie because <laughs> he doesn't follow the rules at all. By the way, random dragon ship appears from the fog. The damn dragon ship out of nowhere. Yeah. Who? 
I got questions about like all the little things that don't make sense. Like who? Well, remember, Jax asked all of them at, right before they ditched him from the movie. Yeah, but who cleared the dock? There had to be some regulatory things about this boat coming in, this big ass boat. And, cool? and also, who agreed to allow the fog on the docks too? You know, fog also needs their own permission slip. Now, I know that Luke Kang, Sonya, and Johnny Cage are our chosen three we're going to focus on. So, but all these Sonya others, does nothing the whole movie. I know, but those are like supposedly the top three. But all these other American fighters that are boarding the boat, are they just like useless? They're Goro fodder. Basically, this girl pretty much kills all the lot of them. But 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 yeah, I mean, okay. Anyways, we get on the boat, right? And of course, we get the classic. It has begun. You know that was like the main thing in the trailer that got everybody excited. It has begun, and ready to be like Mortal Kombat. Well, you're kind of jumping the uh, yeah, Sub Zero uh, Scorpion intro. Oh my God! The best. Characters in the whole movie that was completely and utterly uh, underutilized. Yeah, yeah, because there's the and in the video game they're badass characters. Right? Mm. I mean, but, they're still, but they're badass. They're just Shang Tsung's like slaves. But in the, this. well, in this, yes. But the problem is, is uh, so obviously you, a lot of people who play the games pro- easily recognize that Scorpion and Sub Zero is literally the same character sprite, just different colors. We do get the introduction of them, but then. Nothing really happens because Raiden comes in and breaks it up. No, yeah, and, and, because and, fighting before the tournament is illegal. Yes, and we get Shang Tsung telling Raiden that he says that he can't interfere once he gets to the island. So that's the important thing, remember. Shang, or Raiden on the island is not allowed to interfere in this whole damn tournament. I'm going to bring that back up later because it's some bullshit, as we'll see. <laughs> Raiden basically lays out for us that, hey, these are our three chosen ones. Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya. He tells them their weaknesses... Liu Kang, of course, um, he's there for vengeance. I mean, pretty much the lore exposition before the tournament starts, which usually means that the last like 45 minutes of the movie is going to be nothing but fights. Yeah, and, and Liu Kang, I mean, Beverly Hills Ninja bombed the box office. Now, now you want to be in the tournament. Okay, well, yeah, just, yeah, get on here. You're really going to go with this cannon, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I got a question for you. Oh, gosh. I got a quick question for you. I want you to picture this. What if Jason had boarded this boat? Well, what happened? Um, I think my man wins the whole tournament. We take Jason takes Manhattan, right? But it happens to be this damn boat that he gets on. Yep. Uh, what happens? He's for part for Mortal Kombat 10, the game. I've heard I've found out there are Jason, Freddy Krueger, the Predator. Yeah. And I believe uh, either Leatherface or we know that does Jason win the tournament? Uh, no. Can he go the distance? No. Against the best fighters in the world? No. You don't think so? Sub-Zero would freeze the shit out of him and then push him down and let him break. We saw that in Jason X. The man can... But they didn't let him break. He can regenerate They just froze him. Does he at least get past the first round? (laughs) Okay. Uh, San Sub-Zero. I mean, he's taking out, like, Goro and Johnny Cage and all them, right? I bet Goro would put up a pretty decent fight. That'd be good. Yeah. So I think that would be a good good spinoff story. Um, oh, one thing I want to mention: uh, Sonya getting on the boat. We get a, we get a brief Jax appearance. Yeah, again, there's a. I'm kind of annoyed they actually decided not to use Jax for the whole movie. It was weird because granted, Jax was not in the games until part two, anyway. Yeah, so. but if you're gonna show him, and then basically she just leaves him and goes on the boat, right? And uh, and it seemed like wouldn't he get on the boat too? He should. That's I his mean, partner. Yeah, I think her old partner had gotten killed by Kano. The island is 
in Taiwan. And that's where they filmed it. Okay, so one thing I want to mention is that you said nothing happens here, but there is this buffet, this dinner scene. Who cooked the food? Is there like a staff here? Like, well, uh, how are people going to eat? You no, so, notice those from the outworld are just as human as we are. Yeah, but they don't explain that stuff. <laughs> like, who are, are the outworld people a different race of people? No, they just live in a different universe. Okay. So, yes, a different race, but think about it. People so in the outworld sh- so, have magic. So, there's a chef in the kitchen back there making this food. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm saying we need more explanation of the island. You need islands. more explanation on how they eat. They put the food in their mouth, and no. then they let it who, go down their throat hole. Who makes the food? Are they getting paid, or Shang Tsung just threatening their lives? Who knows? Most likely Shang Tsung just threatening their lives. I want to know the economics of the island, all right? Because this island hosts the Mortal Kombat, but otherwise, it's a functioning island. You want to explain to me the budget again? For this movie, <laughs> I wanted a damn three-hour movie explaining everything. The movie right? was already two hours. <laughs> oh, it's like it's only like an hour and a half. Hour forty-two minutes. What? How the hell you know that? Jesus! I just looked it up to see what the year was. Okay, <laughs> I would have laughed if you knew the runtime, but didn't know like ninety-five versus ninety-eight. It's like it's hour forty-two minutes. It came out in two thousand seven. Like you're you're half right. <laughs> you're almost there, buddy. Um, okay, now we get to where you want to get to. The eavesdropping of Goro and Kano. And it's amazing because Goro literally scares the piss out of Kano. Or at least I'm sure he did, but the way Kano's face is like, please don't hurt me. Do you see how much food Kano had in front of him? Well, that's because Kano, Kano did his part of the job. He had like five turkeys, whole turkeys. You know... Australians are used to giant-ass spiders trying to eat them every day. The more we see of Kano, the more I realize that he got a raw deal in this movie. Because... <laughs> You start to get a hint of like what Shang Tsung's plan is. So, for example, Shang Tsung has set up this fight, but we'll get to the fight between Kano and Sonya, but he tells Kano here, you'll fight her, but you're not allowed to hurt her. He's setting this man up to die. <laughs> <laughs> you're the, oh, he's like, yeah, I have big plans for Sonya. Like, if I'm Kano, I'm like, Yo, what, what, what is my purpose? Like, right. what if she kills me? But, well, then you just die. I think Kano's an idiot for getting on this boat. Oh, uh, bro, yeah. He should have been like, okay, what I'm going to do is lead her on the boat, and then I get off the boat before it goes. He's like, you don't need me on the island. <laughs> no, because... Give me my money, but I'm going to get her on, but I'm going to do a rope-a-dope and run back off the boat. <laughs> this movie does not do Kano any favors at all. No, it doesn't. They should have, and to be honest, they kind of... An actor looks like a good actor, too. Well, yeah, they should have given him more of the villainous role, and there was... And we'll get, when we get to the fight, I'll discuss a little bit more about him, because I feel like they really did... Do him a raw deal, uh, very this, um, fucked up deal. This scene with Goro and Kano, though, do you realize how much exposition was in this damn scene? Oh, yeah. I made some notes here about everything that comes out of this. Goro is the prince of the subterranean. Mm-hmm. Shang Tsung learned the black arts from the emperor. Yep, and he's the uh, emperor's best fighter. Princess Katana is 10,000 years old. Yep. This is a lot of stuff in a two-minute scene that... I'm pretty sure it went over the heads of the audience because there's just too much information for them to process. Well, not only that, but also they're all the audience was probably like, "Oh my god, that's those effects are amazing." <laughs> they're like, "What the hell is Goro?" And Goro, of course, he's not a computer effect; he's a full, oh, yeah. blown puppet, basically. Mm-hmm. So, good job on the special effects for that. Although Goro has a line that I think we should uh, remember when um, when they're talking about, you know, be ca- he's uh, Shang Tsung tells Goro to be careful about Katana, Princess Katana, and Goro Goro is simply like. I do not fail! 
Okay. Famous last words, Goro. <laughs> the henchmen, these ninjas, what, what, what do we call them? They, they make no goddamn sense to the movie, to be honest with you. There's no reason for them to be there. I made a note about them. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, okay. They're pretty much punching bags in this They movie. all suck. None of them can fight. They all get beat up uselessly and mercilessly in every scene they fight. Do better, Shang Tsung, on your hiring of henchmen. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, these guys get their asses kicked in every scene. And, and by the way, it's like, like 11 of them come down the pipe, right? And it's like three for each person. Three against Johnny Cage, three against Liu Kang. They get beaten up, all three of them, within like two minutes. And I think the three against Liu Kang had weapons. Yeah! <laughs> what? But again, we get another again. Do better, cut. Shang Tsung. And another thing we get is another classic Mortal Kombat uh, soundtrack no, uh, OST. Yes. With uh, the Test Your Might song. Test your might. Again, another great song for another great song for this movie. It's a good barometer because I think that your enjoyment level of this movie it's all connected to when that music comes on. Like, do you get, like, hyped up or are you like, what is this bullshit? If you get hyped up, then you're enjoying the ride you're on, basically. Right, and another thing I like, I want to mention is it feels na- it feels pretty good that it does say test your might when it's against, again, just three on one, and it's not really a fight that means anything. Well, again, because of these henchmen, there's not a not one decent martial artist, like, in the litter of all of them, basically. Right. Um... So then Liu Kang, or not Liu Kang, Raiden then uses his powers to save them. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) Now, this is, you know, I just heard it said on the boat that you couldn't interfere, Raiden. You're breaking the rules. Now. And couldn't use his powers. Okay, listen, Raiden, here's what I'm going to (laughs) do. You interfered once, I'm going to let it go. As long as it doesn't happen again in the movie, we're good. I'm letting it go, though, for now. Um... Can we just get to the fights now? Because I think that's literally the next scene. Well, I think we get to Sonya and Kano, right? Oh, no, no, no. No, we get... Uh... Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Now, one thing we have to establish is because we made a point on our Battle Royale podcast to talk about what the rules are. There was very established, clearly established rules in Battle Royale, right? Oh, yeah. That's one this, we really know the rules. This damn tournament. <laughs> my understanding of a tournament is that there's brackets and, like... In order to the case, it's not supposed to be just like random fights. It's supposed to be the winner of this match faces the winner of this match, and they advance to the next bracket. What the hell kind of tournament is this? The first thing we have is Liu Kang versus a fighter monk. Yeah, okay. Uh, answer me this: the guy Liu Kang is fighting, he doesn't get an introduction. Shang Tsung's like, Liu Kang, you're up first. Yeah. Who the hell is he fighting? Why did that guy not get an introduction? So his um. So this that guy looks like is a, just a regular human being to on, me. On the credits. This guy was known as Fighter Monk. Oh, that's Fighter Monk? Yeah, Fighter Monk. Oh, my God. And he <laughs> was not a character in any of the games, by the way. They just threw this fight in just so there was just, I guess, to show off Liu Kang can fight. Okay. A small detail that makes this a lot better is if you introduce him with, Liu Kang, you're fighting, and then just give him, like, a one, one, just say, like, one of the best fighters from your country. From, from Africa, like just give it like some kind of introduction that hypes the other guy up, and then Liu Kang beats him up. Yeah, but you got you're up first, Liu Kang. Uh, I'm guessing the audience is not guessing Liu Kang is gonna lose the fight because he's fighting a no name, an right. unimportant person. But it was still a decent fight for what it was. Okay, but Liu Kang wins, and then Shang Tsung takes the dude's soul. Yeah, that... so does this establish that all the losers get their souls taken by? Shang well, yeah, because Shang Tsung wants power. 
Yeah, but shouldn't Liu Kang get a soul? <laughs> Why? No, because Liu Kang doesn't take souls. He's not a sorcerer. So... Everybody dies on this island, then basically. Pretty much. Because that's why uh, the fights can end with someone just getting beat up. But then Shang Kong, Shang Tsung's gonna come and take your soul. So and die. one thing I will say with this fight is, so two things happen. Obviously, the fatality is done by by the character that is not in even fighting this one. That's why I don't feel like it's fair. It's not, but technically, Liu Kang still had a fair fight, still won the fight fairly. Yeah. It's just not fair that Shang Tsung then comes in and kills him. Well, uh, the main thing I want to know is like basically, so it establishes that pretty much everybody who who dies is going to have their soul taken by Shang Tsung and make Shang Tsung. Everybody stronger. loses their fights, basically. So here's the here's another thing I want to bring up. Shang Tsung, in after that fight, says flawless victory. Now, to be a flawless victory, I should add, I should mention for the game's terminology, to be a flawless victory, you cannot have any kind of damage to you whatsoever. Right. Uh, last I checked, that's Fighter Monk kicks. Uh, kicks Liu Kang at least once. Yeah, so he they, actually does make contact with Liu Kang. So it's not a flawless victory. So basically, it just becomes like a movie catchphrase for Shang Tsung, but it has no actual meaning behind it. Yeah, and that's kind of annoying because there's a meaning behind it when the actual game. Yeah, you know, I just, I just feel like that fight could have been a lot better by a stat, give some credibility to Liu Kang's opponent, mm-hmm. so that it actually means something when he wins the fight. Him beating uh, no name. Uh, monk number one in the credits doesn't really do anything to establish Liu Kang as a great fighter. Right. And but, by the way, we haven't seen Liu Kang fight, so it would be nice to have him have an impressive victory. Maybe start him off facing Sub-Zero at the beginning versus saving that for later just to establish whatever. But Well, here's the next fight. And this fight honestly kind of annoys me. Sonya versus Kano for multiple reasons. The first is it feels like it's way too early for Sonya to get her climactic fight. Knowing that she's no, she's not gonna fight in the movie ever again after this. Yeah, this is way too early. You're right, and because this is, this is her pretty much her shining moment. This should have been something that we find, we get led up to like the third to last fight. The you know the because of the Cameron Diaz episode, the actress she came on the movie at the very last minute when it was already filming, and I'm just guessing she has no martial arts background. So maybe this was just basically the idea that hey we really can't train her to fight or choreograph with her so she's gonna be limited in what we can do with her what's bad is i'm fine with that but what but you're saying place it later in the movie place it later and have kano pretty much taunt her the whole movie like maybe have kano do a couple of fights and have him win showing that he can fight while at the same time you know trying to intimidate sonya the entire time well i like kano so for me this is very early for him to check out the movie because I like his character. He's he's a fun character to watch on screen. A fun villain, yeah. But 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 I can't help but think that Shang Tsung set this man up to die. Also, <laughs> he, so. he he literally he's going out there to fight Sonya, and he's been told. We know he's been told you're not allowed to hurt her. Which is why another reason I think they should Ridiculous. have left it for later is Kano then pretty much jumps Sonya and fights her away from Shang Tsung, so that way he can do whatever he wants. But uh, another thing I want to mention about this fight, one, it's anticlimactic because he literally gets maybe two shots in her and then she does something. She, she jumps up and grabs his neck by her legs that he could have easily just spread her legs off, he, off and kick her away. She did not even he, lock her legs. No, but, but also, by the way, his arms are free. So his arms, the whole time he dies, are free to do whatever. He's at a standing position. He could have easily grabbed her and picked her up. I guess the idea is that her legs are such an iron grip from her legs well, that she's immediately squeezing life out of his throat when well, he has. However, like I said, 
if you're going to do that, it's fine. But make sure her legs at least interlock with each other. Yeah. Her legs were literally just parallel like she's doing field goal with them. Just so a, it's it, just a waste of Kano. It just it does. It, it really is a is. waste. Imagine when you get to that end, right? When she's been captured, right? Imagine Kano's still there taunting her. And when she gets set free, right before you have that Liu Kang Shang Tsung battle, have the you have Kano her finally fight. kill him. Right. That should have been more on, in line with Johnny Cage versus Goro. Mm. But they had that like least less important than Johnny Cage versus Scorpion, less important than Liu Kang versus Sub Zero. She has nothing to do after this. Right. The, the her, whole movie, she she's pretty much there just to be the damsel in distress and the love interest. From her perspective, she's... Her story's done. When she she came on the boat to get Kano, she's done it. She's probably thinking like, okay, I, I'm not actually trying to be in this tournament for the long term. <laughs> but I never put together basically that Shang Tsung's whole plan from the beginning is to set it up along the way to challenge Sonya for that last fight at the end. Right. That's why he's always hitting the Kano like... I have big plans for Sonya. He's hinting, might have put it together, like his whole plan is to fight Sonya at the end. Because he knows he can beat her. Yeah. I mean, it's he, very he does know he can beat Johnny Cage. He's mastermind. Too, but, he's planned this whole thing out. Oh, well, yeah. But he also knows he can beat Johnny Cage, too. But Johnny's still going to be a better fighter than Sonya. He wants an easy victory. He doesn't want something he actually has to work with. With with Sonya, she has no chance against Shang Tsung. Exactly. He plans out very well. And so much so, I think that's his whole reason for getting her on the boat. Him hiring a Kano, it's all planned for him to challenge her. Right. So I got that as the movie goes. I picked up on that for the first time. It's so funny. Like I never really got that that was his master plan from the beginning <laughs> until now, which is crazy. So now we got probably, in my opinion, the best fight in the movie, and that's Johnny Cage versus Scorpion. This was added in reshoots because it wasn't in the original script, but the test audiences wanted more fights, so they went back and added this. I'm so glad they did, too, because like, one thing I really love about this fight is unlike the others where it's practically one-sided and then the hero turns it around on them, it is literally a blow-for-blow blow between Scorpion and Johnny Cage. They are going at it. Yeah, I got some advice <laughs> for Scorpion, though. Shouting something before you shoot your thing out? Not a good strategy. Well, he's like, he's saying, come over here! And then he shoots his thing. That's his... Johnny Cage is like, oh, thanks for the warning. And he jumps out the way. <laughs> that's not a good strategy, thing. Scorpion. I know, but he's he's giving a warning before he, he's like, come here! Whoosh. No, shoot the thing and get him and then be like, come here! He says it before he shoots it, alerting his opponent to... I'm just saying it's a bad strategy. It's just, it's, but still, and then, Johnny Cage just easily avoided it because he always heard the, mo the here, mofo talking about it. Here's another thing you should probably wonder is... Can uh, Scorpion only speak in exaggerated tone? Because when they when Johnny Cage finally runs into him, he's like, or welcome. He says welcome in the same what? tone. He's like, welcome. And all of a sudden, there's, and then when Johnny Cage jumps up on the rafters, he goes, get down here. You would just love to sit down and have a conversation with Scorpion. See, what would that be like? Oh, my God, no. Oh, uh, what would you like to have for dinner, Scorpion? Chinese food. Get, a, get it now. Oh my gosh. No tip. Most of the things are from the game, but at one point he's like, get down here. Yeah. That's a new one. Yeah. Get down here. Like or welcome. He doesn't say well. All he says in the game is get over here. Yeah. That is it. You know, that is, this is a great fight. And the way Johnny Cage wins <laughs> with the little, uh, oh yeah. The with the sword, with the sword, with the, uh, bladed shields cutting straight through him. And he leaves his headshot too at the, at the yeah. thing. That's just perfect for his character. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a great fight. It was fun, and it was also fun watching him die. But the one question I got is, I don't remember how Johnny Cage got out of that world. <laughs> no. Yeah, the fight ends. Giants guy be like, um, where did I go from here? 
So this is something that I wanted to bring up too, is like, okay, so far with the fights we have so far, when Liu Kang fought the, uh, the monk guy, that was on a beach, right? And but it Shang, was on the island. And Shang Tsung was, was a judge there, right? Yeah. So what is it with like certain fights are like in random places with no witnesses and no nothing, but then other fights are like, okay, then Liu Kang fights Katana. And now we're back to on the beach with, um, on the island with right. Shang Tsung as a judge. Like, and, and then also, it's not even a fight because Katana's just there to give him advice. Is, yeah, the, is there a penalty for like not actually fighting to the death? Yeah, this this one was this fight was definitely weird because Katana, you can definitely tell, wasn't doing shit. Oh. She was just defending. She was just blocking, blocking, blocking. And then she goes, by the way, your fear's beating you up. I was like, when the hell has Liu Kang ever been afraid? And why why is the princess involved in the tournament in the first place? Does she really need to fight? That doesn't make sense to me, but... Well, what's she's a bad princess. Is, what's bad is uh, she is a princess, but she's also against the emperor because she is actually the emperor's adopted daughter. So Shang Tsung, as smart as he is, when he was talking to Kano and Goro, he actually said he was like, we must keep Princess Katana away from the Earthlings. Right, and now he sets, up a, he sets up a fight for them to actually like converse and become friends and her to give, her to give him advice? What are you doing, Shang Tsung? Do better. As I watch... I know Shang Tsung is smart, but the man is like letting... Listen, this is the 10th tournament. You got to win this, buddy. Right. You're letting the whole thing unravel. Why would you put them together? She actually tells Liu Kang, she's like, use the element that which brings life. Oh, yeah. But now, is she could have easily just said, water. use water. <laughs> what are you doing, Katana? Why are you speaking in, ugh, in well, tongues? Well, the thing is, she, she had to say that because the next fight is now Liu Kang versus Sub-Zero. No, I know, but I'm saying... Why is she making the, the advice all cryptic? She's like, use the periodic table element number 33 to figure out the meaning of life for your next fight. Well, for, Just use water. For, Just say water. Well, for one. Water. It sounds better. Use water to, be, <laughs> use water to defeat Sub-Zero in your next fight. Why can't you say that? All right. Because it doesn't sound as cool. Remember, the audience is directed at kids. Most kids are not going to automatically assume it's going to be a puzzle for them. They're not going to automatically assume the element of life is water no one not many okay. people really realize that okay here's the problem shang sung letting his whole plan unravel allows katana to give him that advice yeah see i don't this, this don't next fight Liu kang versus sub-zero sub-zero should have won this damn fight because do you know what happened at the beginning of this fight he was kicking fucking Liu kang's ass no 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 but you know what happened before the fight started you know what they showed you know how those water pails got there oh yeah who, who was putting the water there? It was fucking Lou, um, Raiden. Raiden put the water pills there. Now, according to my notes, he's not supposed to be interfering. This is strike two. He interfered again. The man came to the island to cheat, cheat uh, Shang Tsung out of the victory. The real question I got is why in the world is Sub-Zero trying to Kamehameha his way to victory? Well, I, my question <laughs> is why does Sub-Zero take seven minutes to like form his little <laughs> water bubble? Anybody, anybody with half a brain is going to see him forming that over nine minutes and figure out a plan. But then Liu Kang's plan is to take the water bucket. There's water in the bucket, right? Right. He starts flipping it. Why wouldn't the water fly out of it? Well, what he's kind of water is that? He's flipping it so fast that the water's going to stay in the bucket. I've done that. Like that? Like that? Yeah. If you actually flip it fast enough, the water stays in the bucket because it will fall, but you rotate it fast enough, it just falls right back in the bucket. Does this depend on but how, you have to how full the water bucket is, though? Yes. Because okay. obviously, if it's if it's uh, halfway, all the water is going to stay in. But if it's full, some of that all water right. is going to come out. So we'll assume it was under halfway full. Yeah, you don't so, need much water to create he the icicle it, he has. He throws it, and it forms a perfect icicle 
that stabs Sub-Zero and impales him and kills yeah. him. Yeah. What the hell was that ending that fight? Uh, easy. Now no one's going to have any evidence that Liu Kang killed him because the, the evidence of the murder weapon is going to melt away. So Liu Kang defeats Sub-Zero. Just to review. Yep. He needed Katana to tell him how to do it. And he needed Raiden to sneak in some water pails to begin the fight. Yep. Sub-Zero should have won the tournament. He got robbed. <laughs> <laughs> they cheated Sub-Zero. Now playing Zero. Well, here, here's the real question. So now we finally get Goro... So uh, Shang Tsung coming up to Goro and be like, okay, I'm tired of losing. And that Sub-Zero thing was the last straw. <laughs> he had to break out the, the break glass in case of mercy. It's Goro. Yep. And then we see Goro pretty much killing all 20 the, bodies. Yeah. Oh, you counted? 20 motherfuckers. So then we get Goro versus a character we did not introduce because he really wasn't important until now named Art. Now we'll mention the actor who plays Art. His name is Kenneth Edwards. And he's actually a martial arts teacher for 25 years now. Ah, okay. So he's been training and studying and currently training for the tw- past 25 years. That's not counting how long he's actually been training. He's just been teaching for 25 years. Are you years. talking about the, the actor? or The, the actor. Okay. Not he, the character. So he's a leg- legitimate martial artist. Yes. Which is why I'm wondering, since they had him in it, why didn't they probably had him really for the fight choreography? Because, again, he's a teacher. But at the same time, why did, if they're going to have him do any fighting, why not give him an actual... At least two or three actual fights. I kind of knew the way they introduced him. They introduced him at the beginning, right? Right. But then you can see he's more of a side character. I kind of knew he was headed for some kind of downfall. Which makes, which I mean, like, okay, why do we need to care about this character that we've only seen once? Because him and Johnny Cage get along, so they're sort of friends. So, <laughs> well, this is why I brought up the thing with Katana, where she sort of fought Liu Kang, but really didn't. If I'm Art and you know, you see, you see Goro step in the ring. Which, I'm declining to fight. I'm getting out there. And my, my question is, like, because Katana did it, are you allowed to, like, just decline the fight? Which here's, They don't establish the rules. Here's the thing I want to mention. So, Goro fighting Art. So, he, Goro's already killed 20 people. And now, all of a sudden, Art looks at Goro and is like, just gets that face of, what the fuck? Like, have you not seen the others? Yeah, were you just, like, <laughs> in your room watching soap operas while all, while all your American friends have been getting killed? I mean, God damn it, John Saxon. As an audience member watching the fight, my journey as a viewer was exactly how Johnny Cage was in this fight. So, if you watch the fight, Johnny Cage like he's like hit him, hit him, get him, get him. As the fight starts to go downhill, they cut to Johnny Cage. And he's like, get out. <laughs> he's like, he's like, get out. <laughs> I'm like, well, exactly. My, my he's cheering him on. Was, but he's like, get out. My whole thing, at least when he's dying, I'm like. Is there, am I supposed to care for this character we've only met once? Nobody cared. When Goro gives his final blow, they cut to Johnny Cage and he has no reaction. When Sonya Shanks, has a reaction. Sonya gives the classic, no! And Sonya, I'm like, I, you haven't even met Art, okay? <laughs> right. But what's funny is when Shang Tsung takes his soul, all of a sudden Johnny's like, no! Like, you didn't react when he got killed by Goro, but oh, because his soul is gone? Yeah, and then we get this random scene about facing their fears. Why are these three characters now all of a sudden afraid? I understand they have a a kind of a turmoil going on in their lives that they want to overcome, but that's not exactly a fear. The fear thing is, the the fear scene is weird for a couple reasons. First of all, he tells Sonya, if you can't trust, then you'll die or you'll lose. She's already beat Kano. She's not gonna have any more fights. What's her purpose? Now, you tell Johnny Cage, you'll rush into any fight to prove yourself and you'll lose even though he's going to do exactly that against Goro and actually win. <laughs> Thank you. And then 
He doesn't even tell Liu Kang. He just leaves. He walks away. Liu Kang has to be like, what about me? He's like, oh, oh shit. About, oh, yeah. Uh, about you. Like, he, that's the one who actually, that's the chosen one you should be giving advice to, but you almost walked away. But again, it's, he's saying this is all fears. I'm like, no, it's not fears. It's insecurities that they got to overcome. Yeah. That's not a, an insecurity is not a fear. A fear is literally like saying, like being stunned from moving and being able to fight or run when you see Goro coming for you. That's a fear. Plus, do you remember what he told Liu Kang about his fear? He was like, listen, I know Beverly Hills Ninja didn't do well, right? You can't be afraid to do another movie, right? Th things that happen, right? You got to go back to Hollywood, get back on the horse, and make another movie, right? They're doing Best of the Best Part 5. They'll, they'll catch you in that. Oh, that was improper advice for this point of the tournament. So, yeah, I, I don't think Raiden really... The most thing that was most uh, puzzling was what he told Johnny Cage because Johnny Cage has it in his head now to challenge Goro. Right. But that's counter advice to what Rain just told you. He just said, don't rush into fights. Which then Johnny Cage makes a deal that actually kind of alters the tournament a little bit because now he gave Shang Tsung, who already had the power, by the way, because he's a past champion, they've mentioned he can challenge whoever he chooses. And yeah, now but, all of a sudden he needs to make a deal with Johnny Cage But this to is challenge? really weird for a couple reasons. The deal is basically, okay, you can have Goro, but I reserve the right to challenge you, but then he adds in, or any other fighter of my choosing. Don't you already have that? He does, because right? he's a past champion. They mentioned that earlier in the movie. And if he's participating, he can throw out challenges. Now, what gets even sillier, Shang Tsung like, made a point to make this deal, but then it's revealed like five minutes later that the challenger has to accept the challenge for it to be fight. <laughs> right. I'm like, like, you take, I challenge Sonya. It's like, nah, unless you accept a challenge, it's not going to happen. What the hell are these rules? Why, why do you care about making the deal if it didn't matter unless right, right. the challenger and accepts? Also, these rules should have been something they mentioned earlier in the movie so it's not just thrown out there just for plot convenience. Yeah. You make the rules, yeah, the rule is still a plot convenience, but at the same time, the person now knows, well, due to this rule, this fight may not happen. We're saying basically that in like five minutes, they went from basically... For some reason, Shang Tsung needs to make a deal in order to make a challenge. Even though he could have already done that being a past champion. One thing I'll add, though, the deal, I, the, what his challenge is going to be for the final fight that determines it all. So maybe there's something to that. But yeah, wouldn't he be the final fight anyways? Yeah. He's, he's the guy running it. He's the champion. Yeah, he would be the final fight no matter what. But first, you have to beat all the other fighters to get to him. But first, let's not skip <laughs> Goro versus Goro Johnny versus Cage. Johnny Cage. And we get the... And we get Goro making the dumbest mistake of his life. Not wearing a cup? No, breaking the glasses. <laughs> well, not wearing a cup, too. Oh, breaking the glasses. Breaking the sunglasses. So then Johnny Cage does the most iconic move his character has in the games, and that does the splits, punches him right in the dick. I like to think, in my, in my head, the can is that Johnny Cage almost like scoped the place out ahead of time and knew where to run also. Well, yeah, he would have had to have because there's no way he knew running in that particular direction would have gotten him to a cliff. Because his plan wasn't just to do the punch. Because the punch, yeah, you stun Goro, but that doesn't kill him. Oh, hell no. Now you have to, like, now the, the back end of the plan is I got to get a point where I can get him off the cliff, basically. And it's brilliant. But the problem What's is... What's surprising is that... How easy it was? When Goro comes, and instead of surprising him with a kick... He has to give his damn catchphrase first and say, those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. Again, it's like, and Goro's like, huh? <laughs> right. And then he kicks Goro's ass. Right, Goro doesn't even put up a fight. That's There's annoying. no surprise anymore. Goro's just sitting there and getting kicked and flying off the cliff. 
what the hell? Logically, he should have surprised him from behind. Mm. And that shot should have sent him over the cliff. And then, as he's hanging... Then give your catchphrase. Give your catchphrase. The way they did was just like, basically, they were like, hey, pound for pound, he just whooped his ass. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mess around by that. Which is, again, an anti... That's an issue with this movie, to be honest with you. Very anticlimactic deaths. Like, you can see the death coming, and it's built up to a point where it just doesn't... I think anticlimactic... They're not satisfying. Yeah. For these villains, they should honestly be satisfying kills, satisfying wins, but it's just like, eh... A lot of it's because they're basically off screen. Even Sonya breaking Kano's neck was off screen. Right. You don't see, you don't see, you hear a crack, you don't see him do it. In this case, you see Goro fly into an endless pit with no bottom. That's really not satisfying, right? All right, but still, it's just, and also the actual fight's not satisfying. It's practically one sided. Goro really should not have been a one sided fight. One thing I wanted to mention also is that before Johnny challenges Goro, they show Liu Kang meditating. And in the middle of his meditation, like, Shang Tsung interrupts it with that damn dream again of killing his brother. Your soul is mine. I'm so, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, man, it's... Yeah, whenever I meditate and Shang Tsung interrupts my meditation, that's always a, a pain in the ass. So. Right. So now we get Shang Tsung trying to... Actually, literally kidnapping Sonya. He made a hell of a deal. <laughs> and, he, and by the way, he kidnaps her almost before he would know that Goro lost. Because they're out on the edge. And all of a sudden, she's... You, so hear, you hear her scream. How the hell do you know Goro got, got killed already? Telekinetic powers? I guess so. <laughs> By the way, when, when he was kidnapping Sonya, where the hell was Raiden Liu Kang? Liu Kang's just like, stop! Wait! Well, remember, you just said it yourself. Liu Kang was meditating. No, no, no. During the Goro Johnny Cage fight, <laughs> Liu Kang was just there in the audience. Oh. How oh. the hell did he let him, come, let him come and take Sonya? Because uh, no one likes her. She gets taken to the outer realm where... Yep. The, the, em- the Emperor's yeah. Palace. So the one female character that should not... Be a damsel in distress is now a damsel in distress. Because once she beat Kano, she didn't really have a purpose. So now, and by the way, when Raiden told her you have to learn to trust and learn to need help, now she's a damsel in distress, which is very (laughs) ironic, I guess, because now she needs the help. Right. But, and uh, my question is, what if she didn't know? Because, you know, the, the ace in the sleeve for them is like, don't worry, she has to accept the challenge. What if she accepted the challenge and didn't know that? <laughs> right. What if she was like, okay, I'll fight you, Shang Tsung. That would have, the whole realm would have been lost and doomed. Right. So now, so Liu Kang and Johnny Cage go to the Outworld for the final battle. And for, I believe you said your favorite fight scene. I think this is everybody's favorite fight scene. Like, I know like that. Mine is Cage and Scorpion. So I, I, I had a friend, um, not you, who actually was in the movie theater when the movie came out. <laughs> and uh, somebody, who was actu- somebody who was actually in the movie theater. I was in the so movie. So I know that you can't relate to this, but somebody was actually there. He said that when Reptile basically revealed himself, the whole crowd lost their mind. Because Reptile, I guess, was like um, a secret character in the video game. In the first game, yeah. Secret, yeah. yes. Second game, he was playable. But he was like super popular. like, And nobody really thought that he would be in the movie like that. And... To their credit, this was another reshoot. Just like the Johnny K. Scorpion fight, this was something they went back and added in their fight scene. The funny thing about this scene, where everybody talks about, is the question is always, what the hell happened to Johnny K. during this fight? Because he's, he's with Liu Kang, and then he disappears. Oh, he just sits there. He sits there unless the fight happened. He doesn't even try to help. The answer might be way less insidious than we think. 
it might literally be that the actor wasn't there during the reshoot. <laughs> he probably wasn't, but still. Uh, you, that's what happened, I think. So He most likely wasn't, but still, you think that, you know. If your buddy gets jumped like that. No lo- you're no longer in the tournament. You no longer need to worry about fair fights for this fight. So Johnny really should have jumped in and, sw- and Reptile beat both their asses. They may look like Johnny K just like was about to help and then heard the ice cream man on the street and was like, oh, ice cream, <laughs> ice cream. And then he comes ice back later. Ice cream, but ice cream. That was a reshoot. So when he fights Reptile, that's something completely separate from when he's with Johnny K. So I think literally the actor wasn't there. They just pasted it together to make it seem like it makes sense. <laughs> right. But it was a good, um, I mean, okay, you're a big fight scene person. I thought it was a pretty good choreographed fight scene with him. Oh, it was. It was a great fight scene. And the music was so hype. Oh, yeah. But oh, still, I, ju- I still prefer... Because it's still one of those fights that, to be honest with you, it's pretty one-sided up until oh, a certain man. point. I mean, it's not the these fight scenes are not the like for like the movie Friday where Ice Cube's getting his ass kicked until he puts it in his advantage with the brick. Right. It's not until the brick he starts winning because he hits Debo down. This one, it is literally somehow Liu Kang was able to. Out of nowhere, just be better than Reptile. And just build up to his bicycle kick. Yeah, because like I said, Reptile was kicking his ass up until, I, I think really until he got to the stage area, and then he just starts beating the shit out. I'm like, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, there was no rhyme or reason to Liu Kang taking over and making that big comeback. Exactly. It's not like Liu Kang like, did any kind of special move to stun Reptile long enough to beat the shit out of him. It's true. It's just all of a sudden Liu Kang's now better. It's like, I know the hero has to win, but can you make it believable? Just and, a little. And when he does, he beats Reptile and then stomps out the corpse, the little animal, <laughs> to make sure the Reptile doesn't come back. Right. So, we're getting close to the end, people. The climax. The palace where basically Sonya's actually been dressed up in a whole new outfit and enslaved. It's, it's so she can try and look sexy. You already know my thing with blonde, so. I don't know what they were going for because not, there's nothing... <laughs> There's nothing sexual about this entire universe. Right, and then all of a sudden, so all let's of a sudden, put on a sexy outfit. Yeah. And and why why tie her up? Your plan is to basically fight her and kill her. So it's like kind of... Until she doesn't run. And by the way, another thing that happens too is that he challenges her one last time. She says no. So he's just like, all right, take her to the emperor. I'm like, okay, Shang Tsung, what is your backup plan if you're not going to fight Sonya? Because... How are you winning the tournament then? It doesn't make sense. Right. You still got plenty of other people on the island you can fight. Technically, the tournament's not over until all of the humans, all the Earth Realm people on your island is actually beaten. Yeah. Luckily for him, Liu Kang and Johnny Cage show up in the palace there. <laughs> right. And he immediately challenges Johnny Cage. <laughs> Johnny Cage, I challenge you. And Johnny Cage, it's the way they cut to him. He's just like, huh? <laughs> well, not. Johnny was about to do it. You can tell by his face. He's like, okay. No, no. Johnny, Johnny knows he's, he wouldn't win the fight. He, I'm sure he would decline. But now, do you remember, before he could speak, Liu Kang jumps in. Though. Now, do you remember the three things Liu Kang has to fight during the, his fight against? By the way, this, whole, this yes. whole fight scene, in my opinion, is all blunder. Yes, he has to fight. He has three fights, remember. Fight his enemy. Yes fight himself yes fight his fear yes now as, as I said, that, that, in, in theory you're like oh shit this is gonna be amazing but they kind of go through each thing like in like a minute it, each thing right I'm it's like, not executed well no it's not well for example let's go through the things okay fight your enemy is like shang Tsung has some random people come up right some souls the problem is 
they're basically like the useless henchmen from earlier in the movie who never win a fight. Right. <laughs> These are actually supposed to be legitimate fighters from the time period that they were taken from. You got He has a thousand got souls someone, to choose from. <laughs> he's got literally Genghis Khan, it looks like. He's got a samurai. He's got a fucking Cantonese artist. And they, no, they all are useless. You should have brought back Art with his face. Art could have put up a fight. Right. If I'm Shang Tsung, I find wherever the hell Goro's body's in that pit. I'm taking <laughs> Goro's soul. What, Liu Kang would have been shocked if Goro's ass appeared no, they there. They should have brought in Baraka, even though he didn't come until the third game. That's besides the point. Yeah, Shang Tsung, with a thousand soldiers from he chooses like four or five <laughs> incompetent fighters who suck, and Liu Kang beats them in two minutes flat. Right, and and then we what get... Uh, then we get uh, face yourself. Face yourself. So, I thought it was smart. He, you cut to him at the movie theater having to watch Beverly Hills Ninja, and I thought that was like okay. It was like it's like yeah, this movie's not that bad. It wasn't. It was out of my control what happened in the box office, but I put in a good performance. I thought it was a, a smart way to for him to face himself. So then we go to face our fear. Well, first we got to go through the actual <laughs> face himself. What, 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 movie, what movie did you see? Where. As damn Shang Tsung sitting there telling him he's not the chosen one, and then Liu Kang saying, you know, not even giving himself any more than five seconds to ponder and be like, actually, I am the chosen one. Go fuck yourself, Shang Tsung. I'm like, what turmoil did you have to go through? That that you must have saw the director's cut. <laughs> face uh, face your fear. Where then Shang Tsung turns into his brother. That again, within five seconds, the issue is done. Well, because Raiden basically gave him the best... He basically recited for Raiden what Raiden had told him. Each mortal has their own destiny. They make their own choice. Chan made his choice. Why can't you accept that? He basically says that, and he says, Shang Tsung killed my brother! And Shang Tsung transforms back immediately and says, You're mine! Which is just weird. Well, like I said, this whole, the whole three uh, stages to this fight makes no real sense to me. To me, it should have just been... A fight scene, uh, just a normal, pretty badass fight scene between two people. I, we didn't need. Here, here's what really doesn't make sense. Before it happens, Princess Katana actually told him, or she was talking to Johnny Cage or him, and she said, "You're gonna have to face these three things." Right. So, like, in Shang Tsung's game plan, he's forced to do these three things. <laughs> that makes because she knows he's gonna do it. So it's like. The final challenger has to do these three things, and Shang Tsung has to put him through that first. I don't think Shang Tsung has to. I think that's just his. He, he just he goes to M-O. it though, and like like I said, honestly, all three things end up being super easily solvable problems. Which Quick. is why I think it should have just been a fight scene. Have you know we already see that the characters are going to get their ass kicked and then come back from. But the movie shows very quickly, like he fights Liu Kang for like two minutes, and it's like quickly established like Liu Kang's beating his ass basically yeah. like Shang Tsung as an actual fighter it's a stop whenever they go together like it's established pretty quickly that okay there's got to be some like shenanigans some sorcery because Liu Kang is definitely the better fighter which seems. we still could have had without this bullshit three challenge thing with it well Literally. it's fine but make the challenges actually you're right the um um I mean for what you described in the version you saw the um the face yourself thing you, as you said, it just sounded like he just basically was like, "No," and that was it. Like, right? Like, like, uh, say now again, as we all brought up, Shang Tsung can summon all his all the souls he's used. However, in the games, the way he does it is he kind of summons almost a 
like was one way. It's a defensive one. He mm-hmm. summons a barrage of skeletons in front of him as a defensive mechanism. And then when you don't need it no more, he pushes them down, has all those fucking skulls fall and crush the crushes opponent. Yeah. Could have had something like that to kind of push uh, Liu Kang away. Maybe if you really want him going up the stairs so we can finally get that spike scene, you can have them have maybe Liu Kang beating the shit out of him all the way up the stairs. Well, the problem was because he had to go through those three things, that made it basically the easiest fight ever because right. you're not even defeating Shang Tsung. Those things were out of Shang Tsung's hands. Like what he says. It's like, if you say the right things, you pass these tests. So then when you get to the actual final fist fight with them, because he passed those tests, Shang Tsung, like, like the souls are leaking out of him and he's basically getting desperate and, but he won't leave well enough alone. He keeps fighting back. I'm pretty sure if he just like gave up now, well, I don't know, but he keeps fighting back until he basically gets Liu Kang to push him down the, push him fireball of that yeah he, he sums up his finishing move which is the fireball yeah um uh it's just uh, but there's something satisfying about seeing shang sung fly onto like a big bed of spikes like that uh when he turns to a skull yeah because he's been talking shit the whole movie he's been t- taking my souls and now he gets to finally lose all the souls i thought he's a good villain he's a villain that you want to see die right you don't want to see him living at the end. But again, we got Liu Kang lying to us by saying flawless victory. It's like, dude, Shang Tsung still got a good amount of hits on you. At that point in the movie, it's just a cheeky thing to say. There's no, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to the flawless but victory. I still, but another thing I want to mention is, again, they don't even use the same fighting style for Shang Tsung. Maybe the actor didn't know it, but the fighting style Shang Tsung uses originally is the snake style. Hmm. Now, granted, Liu Kang uses more of a Shaolin fighting style than like what he uses in this fucking movie. Yeah. But at the same time, they Shang Tsung is a good fighter if you know how to use him. So the fact that they kind of make it to where Liu Kang really is a lot better than Shang Tsung, when in the lore of a few in the Deadly Alliance lore, granted Shang Tsung does lose to Liu Kang multiple times, but he always almost kills him every time. And he, the only reason he does kill Liu Kang is with the help of another villain. But True. still, Shang Tsung's still a great fighter. So to have him literally lose within five minutes of an actual fight. No, he was basically. He was pretty much cannon fodder. As an actual fighter, like watching versus Liu Kang, I'm like, maybe Sony had a chance. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Johnny Cage would have whipped that, whipped that ass. Because right. <laughs> if you watch it, like, like, well, Liu Kang didn't break a sweat. He was just like doing his. Liu Kang struggled with Reptile and Sub-Zero more than he did with Shang Tsung, like, fighting-wise. And Johnny Cage beat Scorpion. He might have beat that ass. I don't know. No, Johnny Cage would have won that fight. Yeah, it's like, it's like maybe Sony had a shot. <laughs> um, I have been funny if... Um, so, by defeating Shang Tsung, it's like, well, the tournament's over. Liu Kang won. I'm like, what if, like, someone popped up to like, was like, hey, I'm still alive. Nobody beat me. Like, like think about it. It's so way from Johnny Cage beating Goro to that whole thing, right? So, that means at that point... All the other fighters have been beated, like yeah. defeated. Uh, all the Outworld fighters were beaten, so the Mortal Kombat it has been fallen to Earthworm wins this round. Which so, means for another. All I was saying is, was that Goro had literally killed everybody? Because there was no other fight. Once Johnny Cage fought Goro, you went from that to Shang Tsung kidnapping Sonya immediately. So it's like all the other fighters in this tournament are gone now, right? Yes. Because there's probably one guy that's like, hey, look, he's still waiting for that fight. He's like, uh, I'm, I'm still alive. There's one human like who was like. Also, notice how the all the fights are still for the most part between human and human, Earthling and Earthling. Because guess what? 
Scorpion's lore is from Earth. Yeah. Same with Sub-Zero. They're both from ninja clans of Japan. They yeah. weren't originally Outworld fighters. Well, that's, again, like... And the same thing with Liu Kang fighting the monk number two. It's like, there just wasn't... We got all this backstory about uh, Goro's background and Shang Tsung and the Black Arts and Princess Katana being 10,000 years old, but I would like just like some more clear rules established for the tournament that didn't contradict themselves. And maybe not Raiden not, maybe Raiden not interfering five times in the, <laughs> to help Earth win. But yeah, well. what I like about the ending is we get some music, some awesome Enya. That, oh, and then Shao that Khan, music, man. And then Shao Kahn completely reneges on his uh, on the deal made through the Mortal Kombat tournament and invades Earthrealm anyway. Before that, when they're <laughs> when you got when you got the Enya music playing and you got them walking and the kids running, it's one of the most feel good moments in the history of cinema. I'm just like, man, I feel good right now. But then, yeah, uh, what's his face has to come and mess the whole thing up. So, fool, I'm here to take your souls. It's like, wait a minute, that wasn't in the rule book. No, the way what he said was pathetic, fool, pathetic fools. I am here for your souls. And of course, Raiden's like, I don't think so. And then they get into a fighting stance, and then Mortal Combat. What we didn't know as the audience though is that half those people in the fighting stance. They're not going to be here to actually fight the Emperor in the sequel. No, because... And matter of fact, Raiden himself ain't going to be here because we got... Well, I mean, you, you saw in theater, so you can Fuck you. give us a quick review. I of saw the original. Should we just do a quick two-minute review of Annihilation? Because I don't want to podcast that. It was a piece of shit. There, there's your quick... Okay, QMR reviews. Quick movie reviews. Um, Never watch Annihilation. There we go. Here's what you need to know. 90% of the actors didn't come back. You got a new Johnny Cage. The fights were really badly choreographed. A new Raiden, a new Sonya. Johnny Cage dies in the first five minutes. Fucking really bad CGI with the animalities. Sub-Zero with no mask appears for two minutes and then disappears and never comes back in the movie. Right. Uh, Scorpion, again, only two minutes, and that's just to get knocked away by Sub-Zero. At the end of the movie, everybody comes back to life except Johnny Cage. <laughs> he has a br- they brought oh, yeah. Back to life. You forgot to mention Shao Kahn is actually Raiden's brother. Raiden gives up his oh, immort- yeah. gives up his godhood in order to help the earth the earth realm. And Raiden in all this takes time to get a haircut. Yeah, let's just say. And now that y'all know what Annihilation is, we don't need to watch it. Have a good night. And oh wait, we still we didn't need- even actually give our <laughs> our final thoughts. What are you talking about? Final thoughts for Annihilation Zero. We didn't get no star reviews yet. All right, Mortal Kombat. Let's give some final general overall thoughts. You know what saves the movie for me. As many plot holes as there is, and there are plenty, as many times as Raiden interferes <laughs> and, as, and as confusing as the tournament rules are, what makes the movie for me is the tone. The movie is comedic. It knows it's a B-movie. It's not taking itself seriously. And there's enough comedy spread throughout to make it fun. It's just a fun movie. I can't defend the acting, the story. I can't call it a good movie in a classical sense. But I was saying earlier, if you like Mortal Kombat and that music gets you hyped up, you will have a fun time with the movie. So I'm going to give it three stars. Maybe it should really be like, maybe really it's a two and a half star movie, but I'm giving it three stars because I'm biased. No, because a little bit of nostalgia, but I'm so mad there wasn't a proper sequel. When the movie's ending, you want to continue on the adventures of these characters, these actors, and we'll never, we never got a chance. So but I'm going to give it three stars. I, I, as much as I just bitched about during the podcast... <laughs> Because there's a lot of shit to complain about. It's a fun movie to watch. 
All right. So for me, I did enjoy. So for my final thoughts are, the acting was good for what they got. You know, they didn't get the big big name actors. They didn't really get plenty of fighters. Uh, we lacked a good amount of Outworld because we only had what three Outworld characters. Be uh, four, four Outworld characters. Yep. Uh, but overall, fighting was fighting was decent. The atmosphere was pretty set for what they were going for. It, granted, if they had a better budget, they could have gotten the atmosphere a little bit better. They probably could have made it rated R for the fatalities. People would have loved to see that. Uh, they had what else? Um, Shang Tsung's fight was very lackluster. Yeah, that that's a downfall. Another downfall is. Yeah, the CGI doesn't really hold up for this day and age, like with the original reptile before he becomes a human being to fight. But overall, I'm going to give this movie a two. A two? Wow. A two. And that's just for nostalgic reasons. It's it's still a fun movie. You like the you like the games. You'll love this. You'll still enjoy this movie. I wouldn't say love. And you love the games. Yeah, nah, nah. I like the lore. But either way, I'm still... Jesus, two? Yeah. What would you have given Annihilation? A negative... Three stars and a half? I already said what I gave Annihilation. Zero. Jesus. Because we can't go anywhere below zero. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Maybe 2.5 is the proper thing, but because he gave it a two, I gave it a three. I'm going to say three again just because it's a fun movie. Now, don't go out of your way to like buy the movie, but get some popcorn. Cuddle up with your woman. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We have eventually we'll get to troll too for sure because so, i know you guys have been requesting that and we're working on getting no one too. is requesting that uh, hey listen uh, the emails i get keep asking for you troll need to too. see you need to show me these emails well no i mean amelia's already asked if you're actually getting these emails well i mean hey that's from my inbox to know all right <laughs> just know that for all you folks out there that i'm implementing all the feedback that you give me and what that, feedback uh, the feedback i've been getting in my emails all right name one all right, the number one thing was, hey, you guys talk about Troll 2 all the time. No. But you actually haven't done the podcast yet. Where's the actual podcast? And I can, I'm just like, well, hey, I'm down. You do know that I'll be completely unprepared for that podcast, right? All right, folks. I don't even think Annihilation made it to theaters. It definitely did. <laughs> but it was out of theaters like a week later. All right, folks. It's been two and a half hours. Say your goodbyes, Nick. Until next week. Everyone, y'all have a good night. And remember, y'all don't need to get, y'all don't need to leave the podcast. Y'all just got to get the fuck out of wherever you're at. (laughs) So long, folks.